Hi everyone, welcome. This is Everyday Seeker and I'm your host, Rebecca Muir. You can find us online at everydayseeker.net and also iTunes and Stitcher, Instagram, Facebook, and all of that good stuff, as always. Um, today's topic is definitely a departure for us, but I think it's very spiritually relevant. Um, there's been a lot of heart-wrenching racial injustice in the news lately. Um, it's not new, but the cameras are, so it has caused many of us who were previously silent to speak out and to take action, and like many of you, I'm not exactly sure what to say, what the best thing is to say. Um, we feel somewhat paralyzed, not really sure what to do, um, but I'm coming to understand from some very wise friends who've shared their opinions and thoughts that if I'm not a part of this revolution, then I'm a part of the problem. So, um, I was one of many people who saw Diamond Reynolds live stream the murder of her boyfriend, Philando Castile. I actually didn't see it live, but I saw it shortly after it was posted, before it was taken down by Facebook. Um, and it just rocked me, and it was the day after Alton Sterling was killed. Um, the difference between the Diamond Reynolds video and a lot of the other footage that we've seen... Um, is that it's you're, it's so intimate, and not that that not that that should you know make a difference, but somehow it really just I feel like it's impacted so many of us um, so much more deeply. Uh, it's it's woken a lot of us up on another level, myself included. Um, so I just sat down and I prayed um, because I didn't know what else to do. I saw a lot of my friends speaking up on social media, my black friends, my white friends, my American friends, my Canadian friends, because I, I was raised in Canada, a lot of other international friends. Everyone had really interesting viewpoints. Um, but with all this onslaught of information coming and just becoming more aware and sharing people's feelings, people's experiences, I still felt paralyzed, so I just continued to pray about it. And then I realized that I have a podcast. <laughs> so um, this is my small contribution of opening up the floor to share more, to, to promote greater awareness. Um, I still don't really, I, I'm, I'm very aware of my own level of ignorance, perhaps even more so since I want to be able to take some concrete action, not just talk about this. I want to, you know, attend some meetings. Um, I want to, you know, attend a protest. I want to write a letter to my Congress people, Congress woman, Congress man. This is all stuff like I am so not political. I, I'm a little political since I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I feel the burn or I've been feeling the burn, even though now he endorses Hillary. Um, I've supported Bernie Sanders' campaign since the fall financially. I've given money every month, and he's the only one with a racial justice platform that I'm aware of also. Um, but, oh my gosh, now I'm just digressing. Um, but yesterday I started doing um, some serious research on my only day off, and it took a long time for me to 
even begin to figure out what bills are on the table in Congress and in the Senate and who do I write to and how do I write these letters and there's a lot of confusion that I still have about that I've made a great deal of progress but I plan to um I plan to provide all of that information on the everydayseeker.net website so I want to make it as simple for people as possible for anybody that wants to take action uh, by writing a letter um so anyway, I, I feel very overwhelmed with all of this, as I'm sure most of you do. And this is kind of just the beginning. Uh, but I want to open up the floor to have a discussion because black lives do matter. And um, we've been silent for a really long time. So I'm, I'm very grateful right now to have my dear friend Iowa Washaka joining me in this conversation. Um, welcome, Io. <laughs> Thanks. Io was born and raised just outside of Northern Virginia um, by an African American mom and a Nigerian dad. And um, she and I met at Berkeley College of Music. And she's a musical goddess. She's one of the best singers I've ever heard. <laughs> An amazing songwriter, pianist. And um, she's a music educator as well. She's a foodie and a spirits lover. Her favorite country in the whole world is Japan, and she is still trying to learn how to drive a stick shift. And she's really tall and, be- and really beautiful. So, Ayo, thank you so much for being here. I just appreciate this is a very um, challenging conversation, but it's one that we have to have. So thank you so much. Mm, yeah, of course. What a blessing to be able to be here and an honor that you asked me. And um, yeah, I'm just humbled because I feel like this is such a important topic. And, um, you know, I'm in the same boat as you as we're all just trying to kind of get to the bottom of, of what we can do and what the next steps are. And it's it's all very heartbreaking and confusing but I'm happy to be here with you and just be part of the conversation yeah just grateful for that um whoo and you know as artists we're here we're 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 self-expressive but you know you and I got together for a glass of wine last week and we had a really raw conversation in a lot of ways just about like Mm. you know how much you have kept in and how much many of us have kept in. We're all scared to talk about certain things. Um, not only, you know, what's appropriate, and but, like, worrying about making other people uncomfortable. And it's mm. just, it's so heavy. And so, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. here we are in this space. But um, one of the things that you expressed to me, which kind of broke my heart and and also was super enlightening for me, is, you know, with everything that's been popping off lately, um, all of uh, there's been so much. Like you know, just in the last couple weeks alone, mm-hmm. with uh, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, and you know the shooting in Orlando, and then now a few days ago, um, mm-hmm. France in Nice. It's just so crazy. But um, specifically with like you know police reform and that needs to that needs to happen, um, and just like the murder of black people mm-hmm. and you expressed to me like you know I'm really a little surprised that none of my white friends have really checked in Mm. and um to see to see how I've been doing and I was just like wow that was really eye-opening for me um I I had thought of you I remember seeing one of your status updates on Facebook and um 
you would hashtag stop killing us. Mm-hmm. And that got my attention, but I didn't I didn't call you, I didn't text you, I didn't reach out to you about that. Um again, it's just such a heavy mm-hmm. thing. I didn't know what was appropriate to say. And so, mm. but I appreciate you telling me that because it just it was eye-opening for me. Mm. So mm-hmm. So how has this been affecting you? How are you doing? Yeah. Um, It's been rough. It's been really rough. And and like you said in your intro, it's not like these killings are new, you know? (laughs) And and by saying that, like, we in in no means and by no means do we, like, belittle the deaths of these people of Philando or Alton or um, you know even what's happened in Orlando or Dallas like we're not belittling these people's deaths by saying oh it's nothing new people are have been being killed for you know basically hundreds of years and especially like since 2003 and uh, with the start of like Trayvon Martin and everything that happened with that like was that in 2003 Sorry, 2013. Oh, I was going to say. My fault. Yeah, no, that that's would, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, like, let's make sure we have the facts right. No, yeah, it's in fine. 2013, and, and um, you know, that's only like, it's less than four years ago that kind of this, like, I think, stream of, of like consistent killings coupled with, you know, the person who did the killing or the shooting getting off and being acquitted every single time and then also you know the formation of black lives matter as a result of that and then sort of this idea this term of like being woke to what's going on right which i'm sure we'll talk about but um all that to say like this has been happening and i think what i've been realizing is like not only as i'm maturing and um kind of just figuring out more of who i am and what i stand for and what do i believe I think that kind of as this stream of, of killings and like the spotlight of what appears to be kind of like the murders of black people, um, I too was like complicit in, in not ignoring, but just like looking away from what was happening because like you said, it's heavy and it's hard and it's so much of it was happening it felt like an onslaught and I've been realizing just in the past couple weeks that I didn't really allow the those murders and those killings to really like settle settle in you know and into me not only as a human being but as a black person as a black woman in America and it's really really um yeah just becoming more real to me and I've been allowing myself to, I think I should say I've been allowing myself to feel to really feel it to feel mm-hmm. what this means and to feel the loss and to feel it as a black person in America and it hurts you know and it's heartbreaking and I've wept and I have been angry and I've had many conversations with friends and my boyfriend who is white which is which is you know also interesting and challenging in itself during this time and um I think I've gotten to the point where it's like I have to I have to be involved I have to say something I have to stand up I have to be a part of this movement like you said in the beginning and if I'm not a part of it I'm part of the the problem because if I'm silent I'm part of the problem. Yeah. 
you know, I'm allowing for this, this injustice to happen. And basically by being silent, saying that it's okay. And saying that, you know, all of these people being acquitted, the fact that people would rather just hashtag, you know, all lives matter or to, to even say like, you know, well, plenty of other people are being killed in the war. Like it's it, it, by pointing out one injustice, we're not refuting others. Right. <laughs> we're right. just highlighting one. So right. yeah, it's been really eye-opening and and challenging and it's it's forced me to even look at my own racism which I'm still grappling with um and I too have been doing tons of research and just reading and you know educating myself beyond what I even thought I knew because just because I'm black doesn't mean I speak and I want to say that too like I'm I can only speak for myself I'm not speaking for all black people here I'm not you know, like a representative right. of, of what black people think or feel. I can only speak for myself. And I admit that I feel like there's so much that I don't know, you know, and that's not okay to me. I really feel like I have to, to educate myself and to, to jump in and I have to figure out what that looks like. Does that mean I'm going to go to protests? Maybe. Does that mean I, you know, I'm going to write a letter to to my congressman, maybe. Does that mean having conversations with friends? Definitely. So it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely, it's interesting and it's evolving really in every moment. Um, oh, and that's so well put. <laughs> it's evolving <laughs> in every moment. Yeah, I think that's actually like my favorite thing about this podcast. And it's, I'm like the boss of it, you know, I get to, I get right. to be in charge, but it's not mine. It's because the whole thing re relies on the people that come to share. And my favorite thing about it is the vulnerability of everyone that comes to, to speak to whatever that topic is. And, and for us to be like, yeah, we don't really know X, Y, Z. Like there's so much, you know, all of the answers that we don't have. And mm -hmm. when we're in this space, anyone that's hearing this conversation and I'm, I'm sorry, but like there's way more people in the world like us right now mm -hmm. <laughs> than there yeah. are that know who their Congress people are and that mm -hmm. feel like they have all the answers. Um, and so there's like there's a real blessing in being able to just shine a light on this vulnerable space of not mm -hmm. knowing what to do and being overwhelmed and having the mm -hmm. conversation. So, yeah, it's pretty important. I think it's just as important, actually, because more people will relate to it. Yeah. And in that sense, that's quite empowering because I think like a lot of it is you feel like you should know more and that feeds into your tendency mm. to look away mm -hmm. because we're like, uh, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> like ostrich, let's stick our heads in the sand. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it's okay to not know what's mm -hmm. going on for now. It's not okay to stay that way necessarily. I mean, like you said, we've got, like you said, it's not okay, but I mean, it's okay where we are. We have to just like yeah. judge ourselves less because mm -hmm. that's the first step in being able to like, you know, move into another space. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Let's just acknowledge that and, and be okay with it. And then just like open up. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so what has been your experience since you were, you know, um, as a black woman in America, <laughs> since you're like processing this, you know, 
yeah. all of this. Yeah, yeah, truth bomb. Um, yeah, you know, I I was reading this article yesterday of this woman who, uh, one of it was a black woman, and and her white friends genuinely had asked like. I don't get like what's going on. I don't, I don't get like, I genuinely am asking, can you explain to me your experience? And even was asking about, you know, this idea of white privilege, which is basically the idea that people who identify as white, um, you know, have, who, who have the same like social, political or economic circumstances as people who are non-white are benefited more so than the non-whites just because of the fact that their skin is white. Um, And uh, she wrote this letter to him basically just saying, like, let me just give you, she was like, this is by no means, like, an exhaustive list because I don't even know if I can come up with all of that. But, like, here here are a few examples of, like, things that have happened to me in my life just because I am black or just because I'm a black woman. And, like I mentioned, um, you know, my partner and boyfriend in life is white and he is very hip to uh, kind of just what's going on racially and does a lot of work on his own racism and goes to conferences and workshops and classes on ending racism and um, it's something that's really important to him and he'll even point out to me like things that I might experience where I just think like oh that this thing happened and it was really weird and you know, I, I, it made me feel bad, and, and he'll point out, like, well, you realize that, it, you know, it's it's because you're a black woman, you know, and and these are things that I have just not wanted to see, I think, and, you know, I grew up, uh, like you said, my mom is African-American, my dad is Nigerian, so that's just an interesting cultural exchange in itself, but I grew up in Northern Virginia and, you know, mainly white suburbia. It's diverse, but, um, you know, most of the kids in my high school were white and most of my friends growing up were white. And, um, you know, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. And I never really thought differently about it. But there were things that happened to me growing up, whether, you know, being called a racial slur to my face or just things that people would say that I... I think when I was younger, didn't really understand like, oh, well, why, why is that person, um, you know, saying this to me? Or why would this person make this like joke about my skin color? And I'm reflecting on those things now and realizing like, wow, this has really affected me and shaped me. And so I just wanted to share some of those things because I think it not only helps me to voice them, um, just realizing that. I've sort of struggled with speaking about how how I've been discriminated against or ways that I've been treated poorly or unfairly or looked at differently because of my skin color. And I think it helps me to just voice those. Um, and it yeah. kind of speaks to this idea of white privilege. So I just wanted to kind of share some of them. And again, this is just like a few things, <laughs> but um, right. um, kind of starting from a young age into now. So instances like, um, I remember this one sticks out in the fourth grade, my teacher and, and, you know, we didn't speak about this previously, it's just like a normal day in class. And, 
my teacher, who was also white, said, okay, class, um, you know, we're going to have Io talk to us about Kwanzaa. <laughs> and I remember being shocked because I didn't know what Kwanzaa was, you know, and like she just assumed, okay, well, she's, you know, the only black kid in the class. Of course, she celebrates Kwanzaa because Kwanzaa is an African-American holiday. So, you know, just basically like pointed me out and put me on the spot. I was so embarrassed because I just said like, I, I celebrate Christmas, just like, you know, a lot of people in this class and I've, I can't speak to Kwanzaa. It's not every single black, you know, I didn't say this at the time, but I can now, like, it's not every single black person's holiday and just stuff like that. Or like, that's way too much for a child to even begin to process too. Yeah, and just wondering, yeah, that, that question. You, like, like, don't even know what's happening to you in that moment. You're just, like, feeling all of this stuff. Yeah, feeling confused, I think. Oh, um, or even, like, just jokes, like, you know, being in class, and if the lights went out, people being like, where'd Io go? Like, I can't, oh, I can't see her. Or, you know, being called Blackie. Or, um, you know, friends saying, like, like what's up my nigga like thinking that thinking that stuff like that is is cool um or um let's see when i was in elementary school so my my neighbor who also was white she was my best friend and we had another friend um who lived down the street came from a military family also white she was a good friend and i remember that I could go to her house when her mom was home. And I never, th I didn't really think about it. Like if her mom was home, I could be there. I was hanging out. And if her dad was going to be coming home, I, I would need to leave. You know, I would need to like leave before he was home. And I didn't really get that. You know, I was probably in like fifth grade or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember once I stayed late at her house and we were just watching TV and her dad came home and it was like, everyone was just like frozen, you know, her mom and her and sort of like, I think scared of what he was going to say or do. And he did say, he was like, you know, you can't, you can't be here. You have to leave. And I, yeah, that's, I remember going home and telling, telling my mom and oh my being like, well, I don't get it. Like, you know, she's my friend and we hang out all the time and I don't know why her dad wouldn't want me to be there. And I'm sure my mom, like, you know, tried to explain to me in some, some light and nice way as to why that would be. But I'm remembering these things now as just instances that I just squashed, squashed down, like so down deep because you know on some level, like, this is wrong. This doesn't feel good and it makes me feel like in some way I'm not good enough or I'm or I whatever like am I what is it that makes it so that I can't sit on your couch with your daughter you know mm -hmm. um God. and yeah just so many things being being told like I remember in middle school uh I was hanging out with this guy and we were, we were like best friends and it was like, Oh, maybe, maybe we're going to date. Like maybe he likes me. And, and I knew that he did. And him telling me like, I can't date you because you're black, you know, and he was white and we were best friends, spent so much time together all the time. And, um, 
you know, being friends was cool. Being friends was totally cool. But when it came to more than that and, you know, the potential for me to meet his parents and to go to his home and like that wasn't okay because of his family and I guess what they believed and how he was raised. And again, like I had so many white friends. I just never thought about the fact of like, yeah, like obviously their skin was white and mine was not, but it just never occurred to me like, oh, I'm, I won't be able to date this person or be friends with this Mm -hmm. person or go to this person's house because, you know, my skin is brown and, um, you know, there are other, there are other instances of, of, of things like being in the South, visiting some friends who had, this friend who had moved, um, from Virginia to Georgia and a, a different friend. He was one of my dearest friends and, you know, being in Augusta, Georgia with him, going to the grocery store to like pick up something for his mom and people just stopping dead in their tracks, staring at he and I as we checked out and basically stopping what they did, watching us like hawks until we left the store because it was just not, it wasn't commonplace for white people and, and black people to be <laughs> like wow. together, together like God. that. We're, we're, we're talking about like 2001 or, oh or, or 2003 or something, you know, like, so this is just instances like that, that I, and there are more, but that's just like, a sprinkling of things, God. you know. I even remember, gosh, I remember this one was pretty bad, actually. My dad loves cars and is, like, a car collector, and he had this, like, classic car that kind of, like, sat in our driveway. And he, you know, usually had it covered, and this day he didn't have it covered. And I remember coming home, and someone had smeared in mud. This is an elementary school. Had smeared in mud nigger on the windshield. Oh, my God. And I remember just, like, thinking, really? Like, we live in a, we live in a, this is in my head, like, we live in a nice neighborhood. We have nice things, you know, and nice cars. We have, whatever, we have the same money that other people have. We go to school. We, it it just was sort of mind-blowing that that would happen. Mm -hmm. And, um... I think my sister and I, I have one sibling, she's six years older than me, and she and I have been talking a lot about this um, in the past couple of days, but we've, I realized we've talked about it a lot throughout our lives of like that struggle of growing up in, in mainly white suburbia and having a lot of white friends and feeling like, you know, you do have black friends, but in, in the cafeteria, the black people sit with each other and, you know, the Latina people sit together and the white people sit together and that she and I were would bounce around to our different groups of friends mm-hmm. and feeling like I'm not white enough for the white people and I'm not black enough for the black people and you know my white friends saying stuff like oh well you don't you don't seem black like you know your hair is straight and and you speak so well and you have nice clothes oh my and god like, you know or friends basically li- you know literally telling me like well, you're basically white, you know, like, so that's, that brings up an interesting topic of like people having an idea of what it means to be white or what it means to be black. And that, you know, it, it, it gives us kind of like an inkling of 
of what the systemic racism is and how this has been going on for years and years that people are programmed to think that black people are less than, to think that black people aren't going to be educated, to think they're not going to be smart or have nice things or be articulate or have money or be successful. Um, so this is something that I've been thinking about a lot because I remember even like going going to college and friends friends of mine, including me, who got into the schools that we wanted to, who got scholarships, who got some of the same things that our white friends got and hearing like, oh, well, you know, those people of color just got that because of affirmative, affirmative action. Oh, yeah, that's a huge one. Right? I remember that's having a huge. conversation with somebody at Berkeley when I first got there who yeah. was against affirmative action. And I'm raised in Canada, so, like, it's right. about as left as it gets. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't yeah. know. But I can see how that creates a whole issue for people, of course. Um, you know, uh, and it's just like, it, it's, it's a, I can imagine that would be a horrible thing to mm-hmm. experience, um, like, your own talent and your own worth being being questioned because mm-hmm. of this thing that's been implemented in the system as well, which mm-hmm. is, you know, there to help try to restore right. some balance. <laughs> um, right. Like, you know, it's not, not that it's do not that that's enough by like any sort of long shot. Um, but like, yeah, it just, it's, it's so difficult. It's like, there's, there's no easy fix or quick fix for anything. Um, and it's just so loaded. I can't, I mean, I'm sorry that you went through that. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. And I, but I, I think it, yeah, it is just like, it is, it's exactly what you said. It's so loaded and part of this system that really just feels like broken and, and has been broken from, from the get go. And, um, you know, you mentioned that, you and I had sat down for, for wine last week. And, and since then, I, uh, this past weekend, went to like a Black Lives discussion, uh, which was really interesting. And I love to share some of the, the stuff that came up Please. Yeah. in that too. Um, but it was basically, yeah, a, a group of, of all different types of people, white, black, um, mainly black. And it was sort of like, political undertones type of discussion. We just got together at this friend's place and um, there was someone who was curating it and it all, they also streamed it live and kind of just let everyone go around and do what I, I was doing and like sharing their experience. Where, where have you come from? Like what has been your experience? And then opening the floor to, to questions and, you know, to kind of like circle it back to the issues at hand. I think that, a lot of us, right, I'm sure hundreds of thousands of us of, of people are thinking like in the wake of what's happened just in the past two weeks, whether you're like, let's say you're a black person and you're thinking like, okay, well, what literally, what do I do? <laughs> like, yeah. what do I do with this information? And what, what are some next steps that I can take and how do I really grapple with what this means? You know, I think we can even get into the recent stuff that's come out that Trump is saying that's connected to, to race and, 
but that's scary in itself. But oh, it's terrifying. It's like, yeah, it's terrifying. Like, but the climate that we're in, it's like how how do we create a conversation that feels real enough, whether it happens over social media or not, that feels real enough that it actually wakes people up. Like you said something when we talked last week, which I thought was so perfect and spot on is that like, of course, social media is really helpful. And obviously in this day and age with phones, it's enabled us to get information and news in a way that we never have before, which I'm totally grateful for. And also creates platforms for people to speak about what they feel. But at the same time, when you're logging on to Facebook or Instagram, in a lot of ways, you're also just like numbing out, numbing out. And like ADD, like insane. It's like, yeah you know it's like the you're just getting distracted by whatever next cute cat cat video is up yeah. there um so it's like really tough for people to stay focused exactly yeah yeah to stay focused and i think to take in the information that you're seeing like yeah tons of people watched the video of philando and like and alton right but like did they just watch it and think like oh wow that's messed up and then click to the next thing you know in this sort of like yes. desensitized way or That's is it exactly like what happened? Yeah. And so I think it, that creates the, yeah. a new conversation around like, how can we take in this information and really like beyond fear, right? Because I think we're, most people are terrified, which links to what you were saying of like, you know, you saw my status, but you were feeling like, oh my gosh, what do I even say? Like, there's a lot of fear around speaking up and saying the wrong Not thing or say the right, wrong thing. Exactly. Exactly. I'm Offending like 100% willing to maybe say something dumb by accident, though, because I think it's important now. And like, yeah. you know, um, something that I meant to say also in the beginning, too, and I would invite you, Io, and anyone that's listening also to you know, if there is anything that I need to be woke to, <laughs> you know, like, like I would invite, I would invite you to call me out on that. Um, a hundred percent, but, but I digress, but, uh, yeah. 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 And, oh, go ahead. No, start? I was just, that was that. I was just going to kind of interject with that as well. Um, because, you know, we were just talking about people zoning out online. Um, right. And, not, right. I, I, and there's a million reasons and factors, you know, like people are just, they work hard, you know, whatever. But it's also just, a, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough space to be in. Yeah. Um, but it's important to put yourself there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so, I mean, so much came up in this discussion and something that really struck me was there was one woman, she happens to be a black woman uh, at this discussion and she said, you know, like, I'm just really wondering how, like, how do I talk to my white friends about this? And something that I think has consistently been coming up, not only in this discussion, but in some other posts that I've seen from black people that I know is the idea that, you know, it's not really black people's responsibility to educate yeah. their white friends, but you know, what we kind of came to in the discussion is like, yeah, it's not our responsibility, but you know what, here we are and <laughs> we do have this knowledge and it, we would be, how I put it, it's like, we'd be remiss to just say, okay, cool. Like, you know what? I, I don't feel like talking to you about this. 
I'm tired. Yeah, I might be tired. I might be tired of talking about it. I might be tired of feeling like I have to educate my white friends about about whatever white privilege or about really what's going on racially in America. But I do feel like it's important. And her question was, you know, do you really think that we can plant seeds? And especially in those minds of people who are quote unquote asleep and feeling like, you know, this is nothing new. It's not that big a deal. People are being killed all over the world. So why should this matter? Um, she was saying like, can we really plant seeds with people? Can we really, do you think we really can make a difference and how do we do that? And that question to, I, I kind of felt like heartbroken at that because I feel like if we get to the point to where we feel like we can't, like we can't make a difference, like we're really in trouble. You know? Yeah. And I think you can, because the fact that you and I are sitting here is, yeah. uh, is, is proof of the fact that sometimes, um, maybe not with every person, but it, it does really, really make a difference. I mean, it really does. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this person's name because it was not on their public music page. Do you think, mm. um, so maybe I won't say his name um, just because I haven't I haven't gotten permission from him. Okay. But um, there was somebody on my Facebook feed that that had a status update after Philando Castile's murder was live streamed on Facebook, mm. and um, it spoke to white people specifically, mm. and it really got my attention. I mean, it really got my attention. And it, it was probably one of the larger factors in the reason that you and I are sitting here having this conversation now. Wow. So um, I think that, you know, like I can't speak for for everyone else, but for me, that really did wake me up. And, um, and, and it, it helped me to see how how my silence and how like I think white people do have a responsibility because um, the system is rigged and so mm. you know we all have to participate in in making this change um, and so yeah it's it's the whole concept of if you're not a part of the solution you are on some level a part of the problem and and so yeah I do believe that and it's something that I hadn't really thought that much about before to be quite honest with you as, fuck, mm. as fucked up as that is. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you, you've been going. I don't know. I'd like to get the information about this meeting as well. Like, um, yeah. if there are future meetings, um, but just to speak to what, to what that, that woman asked you. Yeah. I think that, that on a large level, there will be people that it's going to go right over their heads or they're mm -hmm. not going to be awoken to it, but it will make a difference for some people. And that is progress, even if it's small. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I would love um, for you to, if you, if you can remember to speak to some of the things that he said in that post. If well, you I'm like, do you think it'd be okay if I read it? <laughs> I don't know if that's okay because I didn't get clearance. Um, it's like a post on someone's personal Facebook page. I really probably shouldn't do that without permission, huh? Yeah, ah, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, it was I meant mean, for the public, but you know, it was meant for the public. You know what? It was meant for the public, so maybe it's all right. And it, it's it is anonymous, so okay. 
I'll read it because I have it here and I plan to, um, okay, (laughs) apologies in advance if this is not cool, but okay. So, um, and then of course, if I do get permission later, I'll tell you who said it because this person is brilliant also. Um, But uh, yeah, it was just well said. So here is what it is. If you're white and you aren't and or haven't spoken up or done something, anything, even posting to spread awareness about the racism and disproportionate murder of blacks at the hands of police, then I consider you a part of the problem. Of course, I'll be cordial when we speak, but if you aren't taking an active role to defend my and other people of color's right to live, then our friendship is really only in your mind. America will listen to you when you outcry collectively. You've got to know that. Use that ability wisely. You didn't ask for this role just like I didn't ask to fear for my life when doing just about anything. But here we are. And then it was hashtag hashtag RIP Alton Sterling. Mm -hmm. So um, I would really like to tell everyone who said that. (laughs) I'm going to try to get I'm going to try to get permission. But um, anyway, uh, it's so yeah, he had my attention. Yeah, Yeah. my attention. Mm -hmm. So I mean, firstly, yeah, I I remember seeing that post because I know this person too. And um, that's so, so well said, so well said. And I so appreciate that because like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like I have been struggling with, and, and, and it really, it started off as just like a feeling of after the heart, you know, the heartbreak and despair over what's happening continues, you know, in terms of these, the losses of the, of these men's lives. But I think like there was like a deeper, for me personally, in my own life, hurt that was unidentified and unclear and unnamed. And I think by the time I sat down with you, I had sort of uh, started to name it a little bit more and did realize like, wow, you know, it's not like I need my white friends to call me and to say like, hey, are you okay? But I I do just feel like I need to know that they're aware, that they understand what's going on in terms of race in America and how it might, that they're thinking of how it might affect their black friend. And in some cases, someone they call their dearest friend. Of course, because this is so intensely personal in addition to being you know, a societal issue um, yeah. and, and, and a spiritual issue and a legal issue and, and all of this, it affects people so personally that yeah. how could that not, you know, if that remains unnamed and, and unvalidated in you, mm-hmm. there's a big part of who you are and what your experiences is, what your experience is that I'm not seeing as a friend as long as Mm. we don't get to have this discussion. Mm -hmm. So like just on a personal, personal level, um, it's important. And then of course, like it's hugely important in terms of just like civil rights, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the fact that the fight for you and I to even be able to sit in that bar last week together and have a drink and talk and, for that to be okay, like, that was not that long ago. Right, know? and that's crazy. And we talked a little bit about this, like, you know, over wine last week, too, is, like, I really did grow up in quite a different climate in Canada. 
Yeah. So, um, however, there was a lot of very overt racism. I, I grew up in, uh, I was a child in Cow Bay, Nova Scotia, <laughs> and there was a high school um, that I would have gone to if we hadn't moved that had race riots in the mm. 80s and 90s, race riots, yeah. and, which is crazy, too, because you know, being raised in the Canadian school system, public school system in the 80s, I mean, I was learning about systemic racism and the civil rights movement since third grade. You know, wow. we, we were taught about, you know, Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and all, and all of this stuff. And, and, and the ironic like, thing about it is that we like to pat ourselves on the back. Oh, in Canada, mm. we didn't have slavery. And we were, it was free. Black slaves used to escape across the border to Canada and the Underground Railroad. And there was even like, a, you know, any Canadians that are listening, um, the Heritage Minutes, there was like a, a little government commercial essentially that showed us part of our heritage so we could be proud and it had this reenactment mm. of slaves escaping across the border and being so happy that they were free in Canada and so like on what and when you're a child you don't have like you know you're just you you accept what's taught to you a lot of the right. time and so I had this like sense that I lived in this fair <laughs> like in this really fair like just yeah. land and meanwhile like you know, there's segregation is not over. And that's mm -hmm. another thing like it legally is. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, most of the black people in Halifax uh, live in like areas that are segregated, like not that there's no black people that live like where white people live, but like there are large black populations that live all in one area mm. um, or, or several areas. And, you know, it's not they're like poor communities, you know? Um, there was a whole community there that was bulldozed. It was called Africville, and it was bulldozed because the government decided that they didn't, that they wanted that land. And then mm. they just took everybody and put, put them in housing, which is now Uniac Square, which any Canadians or Maritimers know about this. And I guess a few years ago, there was a formal apology on the part of the government um, mm. for the destruction of that entire community. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's just a lot of racism that's existed that goes unspoken. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a, a quote on Humans of New York that I read a few months ago. I need to pull it up here. Just one second. That yeah. was just like, whoa. So if, if you don't know about Humans of New York, listeners, you've got to check them out. Honey, H-O-N-Y. It's just like a this really brilliant photographer that goes around and photographs random people in New York City and gets and takes a quote like a snapshot of their life and in this one particular um, on this one particular day the photographer ran into a public school teacher in New York City and this is the quote he said we teach that education is a great privilege that can lead anywhere but sometimes I worry that I might be selling them a dream these are his kids. So I try to teach them what's possible, but also what's real. They need to learn that hard work leads to success, but I also tell them that they might need to be a bit more patient than others. Sometimes they ask hard questions, and I try to answer as honestly as possible. A few weeks ago, I was teaching a lesson about segregation, and one of my students raised his hand. He said, if segregation is over, then why are there only black kids at our school? Mm. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it, it's, it's 
just there's such a, a weird like we, we're aware of it but on some level we're not like where we we think okay the 60s happened and all of this stuff there was all this progress and we're at like the next level of that now it's like okay yes there was some progress like it was you know but how do we take that and make it deeper because and and not even just with the laws like you know segregation is over okay that's that's great but like we need to we need to look like on a on a way deeper level than that there's so much else going on and then not to say that we're all set with the laws either because this is a big part of um, yeah what we need to fix with police reform just like there's so much else going on too not just that but um and i'll provide more information about what i've discovered in my in my research <laughs> um there are like six different bills right now um that we can write in about um, and specifically cite, and I'll I'll speak to those again. Um, definitely, it's a huge issue uh, legally still, but yeah. Anyway, so that's just like a little tangent that I just went on. But yeah, the fact that you and yeah. I were able to sit there last week. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, totally, and I'm so glad that you that you have that research, and I'm. I'm yeah, excited to hear what the, those bills are. And I, I think I know a couple of them. I didn't realize there were so many. Well, let me mention them now, play. actually. I'm like, yeah, go second. for it. Might as well. Um, like, I'm not going to read off all the numbers, but um, there's a Law Enforcement Trust and Integrity Act, um, which provides law enforcement with resources for accreditation, best practices, training, and other resources that increase trust between police and community. And it also mandates data collection on the use of force and other police community mm. encounters so the public can begin to know what policing looks like in this country. Mm -hmm. um, and this article, um, this is like all from an article that I found. I'm like, where's the link? I'll provide the link online. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't find it right now. I don't want to waste your time, but I'll, I'll cite everything um, on the website okay. at everydayseeker.net. There's an End Racial Profiling Act. I can't believe there even needs to be an End Racial mm. Profiling Act. Are you kidding mm -hmm. me right now? Yeah. Um, the Preventing Tragedies Between Police and Communities Act, the Stop Milita Militarizing Law Enforcement Act, and the Police Camera Act, that's big. Um, mm. which, let's see, provides federal resources to state and local law enforcement so they can develop safe and effective body-worn camera programs that also mm -hmm. protect civilians' privacy rights. Mm -hmm. um, but they have to figure out how to implement this in the right way um, because cameras yeah. are always kind of, like, touchy. But, yeah, so there's, there's like, legislation that's, like, on the table. Um, but, you know, we need to speak up. You need to right. write your Congress people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, and actually, like, let them know that you care about this, yeah. about this stuff, and like, like, you, like you, like you did, you know, do, do the research, figure out what it is, decide if you're behind it, and then take what five minutes to make the calls or send the emails or whatever it is, and that's a, yeah, we talked about that too in this in this discussion and. Um, it's so it's interesting that so many of those acts are connected to law enforcement, right? But mm -hmm. it's such a um, pivotal part of what's going on and about what's broken in the system. And 
you know, the thing I think that's encouraging is that we know that there are great police officers out there who are amazing human beings, who do their jobs to the utmost, who care, who are, you know, really trying to move forward in a positive way. And it's not like, you know, everyone in the batch is rotten, you know. Um, And it was interesting, too. I'll just mention this. One of the men who was at this discussion uh, had gone through as a comedian and he'd gone through LAPD and sheriff training because a lot of the discussion was talking about, like, just trying to decipher, like, okay, is there some way, yeah, that we can write letters to... Uh, our Congress people about what we would like to see changed in law enforcement. And so he was a really cool um, source of information because he's gone through that training. He's been there. He's seen what it's like. And a lot of people were talking about the disproportionate training between the countless hours that, you know, police have to do on gun training and shooting and that compared with de-escalation training and, the ability to be in a high tension situation, which it's so funny because, <laughs> you know, with Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, it didn't seem like the situations were high, high tension until that was created, right? It was, yeah. it was instead of de-escalating, it was actually escalated very quickly to the point of, of shooting off a gun. But I think that that's something that's really interesting to look at of like that de-escalation training and being able to, um, to bring a situation down to where it's, you know, manageable and you don't even need to use your gun, right? Um, And he also was talking about how much training they actually do on, um, like, different races and communities and tests that they have to take and how they actually do have this. That's what's so interesting. They do, and, and I don't know that it's everywhere right but he's just speaking about LAPD that they do have this training well they have a unit on you know African Americans and Asians and learning about their history and learning about those communities so that they're um you know able to kind of connect with those people in, in a certain way or a different way and and just have this background information so I was encouraged by that and yeah, that's very encouraging it's really encouraging and hopefully that's something that's happening everywhere and can happen more, right? But then when you do have that information and you do have that training, are you able to, in the moment, actually put it to use as opposed to what it seems like, you know, letting your fear creep in and, you know, using this, the quick draw of the gun to, to protect yourself because you're fearful. Um, yeah. And that's a question that comes up for me is it's like, you know, in these situations with these past shootings with Alton and Philando like clearly these officers you know but people I think people have like started saying quote-unquote trigger happy right they're just so ready to shoot but you know I know this is a spiritual podcast and in my mind I think like what let's let's go deeper like how can we get to the source of people feeling fear of someone because of how they look right or because of their skin color like Mm -hmm. how can that's the that's I think the root of this like how can we change that deep 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 systemic 
belief that it just seems to be in people, whether they realize it or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope this conversation just is like a little crack of light, you know? Um, mm-hmm. There, it's, it is scary too, because like, it's just, it's so real, the danger. Like, one of the big things that that I didn't really think about before, which is also, I'm a bit ashamed of this, but um, the fact that, like, when I see a cop, I feel mm. safe and protected. Mm. And, you know, um, when, my, when my black friends see cops, they don't get to necessarily have those same feelings, especially black males. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, like I've, I've been in a wedding band for like, so, or I was in a wedding band for so long, you know, some of the other people in the band were black and we'd be driving late at night home from the gig. And I remember one, one of the guys in the band was like, it's a good thing you're driving, mm. you know, he's wow. like, he's like, be careful of how fast you're going. He's like, well, if you want to do a little, like speed a little bit, then I guess it's fine. But like, I wouldn't be able to, to do that, you know, if it were me mm. driving and, Mm-hmm. Just things like that, right? So, um, you know, it's like things I've thought about before, but also not on the level that I'm thinking about them now. And then just like inherently, like what you're saying inherently, why we're so afraid of anything that's, you know, there's just so much ignorance or what, not we, but people, some people are so afraid. Yeah. Um, and then we all have like a certain level of ignorance, you know, this is why we need to talk, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's exactly yeah. why we need to talk. Um, yeah, I mean, how is this sh- ha- like speaking to that spiritual component? Like, how has this affected you spiritually? Like, mm. has it affected you spiritually? Mm. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think I think it has. I mean, I believe in something greater than myself. I believe, you know, that there's a God. And that it, that that God manifests in many different ways for for many different people, but that you know there's definitely a greater source. And um, I I think for me, hmm, the question is like I I, I know that there's always something greater that, and, and better that's going to come out of every situation. And so I think it's just been kind of like asking God, like, what? <laughs> I, I just can't wait to see what is going to come out of this time, you know, and like, yeah. because I, I, I think that the differences between, you know, me and you and a friend who's Japanese and a friend who's from Mexico or, you know, whatever. It, it, the differences between all of us are like this beautiful handiwork of God, I feel like. And that, that's, I guess that's what I hold on to is just like knowing and coming back to, I, I feel like, okay, I need to remember I was made perfectly you were made perfectly. We're all exactly as we were supposed to be. And 
I, I, I think in those moments when I'm feeling like discouraged and down and depressed, like that's where my spirituality comes in because I have to hang on to the great, the greater, you know, I have to hang on to God or other, otherwise I think I would be swallowed yeah. in the darkness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and trusting that just like, you know, hundreds of years ago when, when, my people were being killed then and lots of it's not only that like you know obviously we're highlighting african americans but the the killing of of groups of people has happened several different times across history and that in itself is devastating and i think like i just have to think um there's got to be something good that's going to come out of this and my hope is that we really can radically, radically change our ideas about racism our, our, and our own racism and that this is going to be the time where we really, really make a shift. That, I, that it's not just like we watch this video on Facebook and it clicks to the next thing and it's done, you know? Because even like, I think we mentioned this, in that tumultuous week or two weeks of these shootings happening, it's like everyone's posting and everyone's active and not everyone, but a lot of people are posting and active and talking about it. And then it's like, you know, several days later, we're back to talking about like what we ate and like what our cat's doing or whatever. Um, And it's not like we can be posting. Well, I shouldn't say that we can it's not like everyone is going to be posting about this every single day and it's all they're going to talk about. But I'm just hoping that it's not just a, like the flash in the pan and yeah. that this can, I feel like across on every level, politically, racially, socially, culturally, um, and not only in America, but across the world, like something is stirring. Things are not, we know like things are not right. There's a shift and I've just been praying like that this is the time where we can really make a change, you know? And something that was mentioned in, the, in that discussion that I went to over the weekend, which I thought was so interesting, is like in most of the movements over time, civil rights, um, all the different kind of like levels of civil rights, there's always been like a leader, mm-hmm. you know? Whether it's Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or whoever, um, Nelson Mandela, there's always been a leader and we don't have one right now, you know? And that's so interesting, I think. And like, I just wonder, is there going to be a person or persons who emerge that, that are that, you know? And is it, you know, people are protesting, people are getting in the streets, people are, you know, marching and raising up signs and we're starting to sort of see, um, some movement but I'm just curious like what it's going to take to to really make some changes and how radical does that need to be and you know but um you know I'm kind of like drifting away from your spiritual question no it's fine it's super fine this is we just drift wherever um it's perfect (laughs) yeah I mean it's interesting because maybe there will be a leader that steps up um 
And like, ironically, Bernie Sanders is like the only person that's been speaking yeah. out about racial justice. And he's like a white Jew. Is he Jewish? He's Jewish. Right? I think he is. Yeah. From New York. But um, and and then he's now um, supporting Hillary Clinton, um, right. which is like very controversial. Right. Um, but he says he's like, you know, my priority is to make sure Trump doesn't get in because that's extremely dangerous and it doesn't yeah. matter what it takes. He's like, if it means endorsing Hillary, then by God, I'll endorse her because mm-hmm. he can't get in because that's just a- incredibly dangerous for all of us. But um, I- interestingly enough, I mean, there may or may not be a leader that steps up, but um, I feel like we're really in a new paradigm now where with the advent of technology and the fact that everyone has a smartphone, like when they're at the toilet, basically, you know, um, seriously, like this is the revolution is the collective, but like individual people now have the Mm -hmm. power to share and come together as a force. And so, Mm -hmm. um, hence like this live streamed video, um, of Philando Castile's murder on Facebook, Mm. um, that in and of itself is very powerful. And I remember I shared it because I was, I knew Facebook took it down. Um, I was like, is this just going to be swept under the rug? Like, Mm -hmm. and then I went to CNN the next day and they had this huge article on it. And, um, it was very sympathetic actually. And I was really amazed. I was just like, wow. And I think the reason that that happened is because too many fucking people saw it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it had gotten too far for them to ignore. So, um, I was like, wow, that's power. Yeah. And so, um, like, unfortunately it took that and it's gonna, it's not over. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is, this is the thing. Um, it's going to keep happening until it, you know, something changes. But we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep seeing it now, mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. on on a more and more intimate level, and um, and so like the the wheels of change are already in motion now. I mean, unfortunately, it it might take a really long time. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. But but like. I see that as just like the evolution of humanity and like we've got technology now and yeah, we're in a new paradigm. So Mm -hmm. things are going to look very different and um, each individual person has a lot of power now um, with the internet. And so in that sense, we really have no excuse um, Mm -hmm. because we all are able to, to participate in like a more immediate way. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. Um, I know that I, we've been talking for some time. I'm like, do you, what else did you have that you wanted to share? Because I want to make sure that you. Yeah. Um, I think I just want to echo, and I, and I realized I didn't even ask, you know, you've shared, but I, you know, I'm curious, oh, like, uh, if, you know, what, like questions or thoughts you have but um I I just want to echo the you know the post that you read and just encourage it's it's everyone right but just encourage my white friends and my white community like I said like I don't need you to to call me and and, although that's nice right like it's nice for you to reach out to your black community um, in that intimate way but it's just to really encourage you, like, 
to recognize your platform, to recognize that you do have privilege just because of the fact that you're white and that you do have power and that there, like you just said, there's power in each individual person standing up and saying something. And whether that's a Facebook post or posting an article or calling a friend or, you know, when you're out with a group of people, whether it's white friends or, you know, uh, non-white friends, if you hear someone say something that's racist or you hear someone say something that you know is wrong, instead of kind of like nervously laughing or saying nothing, um, which is basically condoning it in my eyes, like actually say something. Because I do think that those little actions add up to bigger actions and add up to change and that you can plant seeds in people and you can um you know wake people up you can shake people awake and I think I would just encourage encourage that and and like not 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 even like encourage it just like implore you to to do that and to think about that and it's you know I've been seeing some friends like making posts about the black people in their lives that they appreciate. And that's cool. I think that that's awesome. That's, that's one way that you can help. But when you're doing that, like, don't just gloss over, like, you know, let me, let me scrounge up some pictures of black people in my life that I know, like make it mean something. If you're going to take the time to do a post like at that point it, it's not about you it's not about you showing that you have black friends because just because you have black friends doesn't mean anything you know right. like it, it's got to be it's got to be more than that and um yeah I think that's that's just mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to say and I would also encourage like this was I just want to say a couple other things that were yeah. really eye-opening to me um I heard this story on this podcast called Love and Radio, which is really awesome. And it's basically just these, um, like, verbal storytellings uh, over the radio about just really interesting topics. And I heard one, this man, Daryl Davis, who is a musician, a black musician, he um, basically, I'll just make a long story short, uh, was playing these shows and realized that there were some, you know, white men who were coming to his show. They really loved what he was doing in his music and um, realized after speaking with them that they were part of the KKK. And um, they just really loved his music. So they would engage him and come to these shows. And he decided that he wanted to sit down with them and just talk with them about why they're in the KKK and why they believe what they believe. And, you know, his friends and his, his black community were like, you're insane. You're going to get yourself killed. These people, you know, want, they want your life. Like they don't want you to be alive. Yeah. I mean, that's courage. It was courage. courage. And he sat down with these people countless times and had these conversations. And he said, you know what? I'm going to listen to them. They're going to listen to me. Um, And he had these like, civil yet I'm sure fiery conversations with these men these like heads heads of KKK groups and when was this um let me just look up like is this recent (laughs) yeah that's a good question I think this is 
maybe like in the 80s. Okay. I'm just, just trying to find it um, as I speak. Let's see. Um, but basically over the course of like 10 years, right? Like becoming friends with these people, which is so odd, like where they would invite him, he would be like their special guest at these KKK rallies, the only black man in sight, you know? Oh my God. Um, and they loved him. Like they loved him and they respected him and yet would are still, you know, basically <laughs> preaching that the black man is an animal and is inferior, but at the same time, like putting this man up on a pedestal. And so over the course of like 10 years and these conversations and spending time with these KKK members, they gave him their hoods. They left the KKK and said like, you know what? I don't believe this anymore. This isn't how I want to live my life. This isn't my, we're talking heads of KKK movements. And he basically like dismantled the KKK in Maryland because of these relationships and these conversations. And so I just wanted to like, and again, so basically if you look up this podcast, it's love and radio. And, um, this one was broadcast originally broadcast February, 2014. Um, and it's called the silver dollar. And, um, I think he wrote, he wrote a book as well, Daryl Davis. So it's worth listening to and even reading the story because I think that is powerful and encouraging and that gives us just an inkling of the fact that like if you sit down with someone and you you hear them out and you let them hear you and you do it with respect and you actually are listening and you're open you can affect change because to me that's huge this man has a closet full of KKK hoods of people who oh have left that movement who are now his friends um that's absolutely just shocking and and beautiful. Yeah, wow. it's amazing to me. And I I've listened to that story several times because it just brings me hope, you know. Yeah, I'm going to post it if I can figure out. Um yeah, you yeah, just told me like I I, I I'll find there will be um also just before I forget to mention this, there is going to be, there's a video on everydayseeker.net that shows you how to write your Congress people. Mm. Um, and then there's also um, links that show you um, how to find out who your Congress people are, mm, <laughs> who, awesome. your, who your senators are and your congressmen or congresswomen um, and a template letter as well with uh, reference to the specific bills um, for anybody that wants to do to, to write a letter in but um, I'll also include a link um, or something on the website to this podcast as well yeah awesome to, to the one that I just mentioned love and radio you said love and radio okay, yeah silver dollar okay I'll make sure that I do that yeah awesome that's so great that 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 you did that research and you have that up there and I'm totally gonna go and and look at the video and the list and that helps yeah, I'm just I'm grateful for you of doing that. Like, sure, I could have done it myself, but yeah, the they fact don't that make you're... it easy. Like, yeah, I'm not done. Like, I'm still confused about like a couple of the bills and who I'm like. Do I write the senators or do I have to write mm. the committee members? Because it's not like past the committee yet, or like I, it's a lot, right? So I, yeah. I'll figure it out and I'll make it as easy for you all as possible. But um, yeah, 
yeah, I thought it was gonna, you know, I thought somebody, I thought there, I could Google how to do this and like would just be there, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's not. I'm like, shit, <laughs> yeah. now I have to do it. But that's okay. I'm willing. I'm willing. It's important. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, yeah. That's totally awesome. Thank um, you. Ayo, what else? Did you have anything um, else? Yeah, I know we're probably wrapping. I just want to like. I mean, I'm good. I just I don't want to keep you forever. But if there's like if there's things like I want to make sure that you know that that we can be here. And yeah, thank you. In, so. Same. Um, and I guess I, there are a couple other resources that I love to yeah to out, um, that I think would be helpful. Um. Yeah, so the Daryl Davis thing, um, there is an article that Peggy McIntosh, who I guess was part of the like feminist movement, uh, wrote in 1985, I think, or 1988, actually. Um, and it's basically a piece on like white privilege. And it's come to my attention. I think a, a lot of it is, some of it is actually, um, there's some class privilege stuff in there too but it's really eye-opening as to kind of like what white privilege is and um you know she herself is white so she's speaking mm-hmm. from from that side and and what she's kind of realized in her own life which I think is really interesting so that's Peggy McIntosh her piece which is so easily google googleable <laughs> um and the other thing uh I watched recently I think I mentioned this to you, the remake of um, the Roots miniseries, mm-hmm. so which was created off of uh, based off of the 1976 novel by Alex Haley, and um, my boyfriend and I watched it. We just kind of binge watched it because it was just so good in the way of like uh, the stories. You know, it's so so real and so true and was done really well and so I just would encourage you if you don't feel like you have a good handle on like history or black history in, in America and how or slavery and just all that like how we've gotten to where we are that's a really great um source of information and um yeah, uh, I'm inter- very interested in that yeah I, so. I won't even call like entertainment because no. it's definitely um Hard, a lot of it's hard to watch, but it's very informative, and it's on the History Channel. Um, it's several hours long, but totally worth the watch. And, um, yeah, so I would, I would pass that along as well. And, yeah, as, as I think I'll be a part of, of a few more of these discussions, and I'm interested in hosting some of them, too, which I'll talk to you more about, Rebecca, at another oh, time. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You should. And I will say, you know, one of the things that came out of the discussion that I was part of this past weekend, which was encouraging, where we kind of we broke into groups and and just tried to brainstorm, like, what can we practically do? And a lot of it is stuff that, like, you and I have already talked about. Um, And one thing that I will share as it develops so you can post on the page is um, something that one of the organizers wants to do, which is like coffee with a cop. Uh, which is like, huh. yeah, yeah, of getting a coffee shop, let's say it's Starbucks or something, to hopefully it's not, but maybe it will be <laughs> who's sponsoring, <laughs> um, <laughs> sponsoring the event and having, you know, asking 
police officers to volunteer and come in and set up stations, kind of like speed dating, right? Where you sit down over coffee with a cop in your area and can just get to know them and talk to them about, ask them questions and they can ask you questions and, and really start to have a dialogue um, yeah. between these two communities. And I think that is so awesome. Oh God, I love that idea. Yeah, I really can be idea. powerful. And so I know it's something that um, out of this group of people is definitely going to happen. And I, I plan to be a part of it. So um, I'll definitely let you know about yeah, that. Yeah, please keep me posted because um, I'll blast that out on our social media as well when it does happen so people know. Yeah. yeah. It would be cool if that could start happening in different cities because we're based in Los Angeles right now. Um, exactly. But um, is that something that'll be like just local or? I think it'll be local. And what we talked about is the fact that like the LAPD is, is pretty great and pretty, um, you know, it's it's not like, we're having less of instances happening in LA. It's more like we need this in other places in the US. And so I think part of the idea is like, how can we get this idea out to those communities and have it start happening there? So that's part of the plan too, but to start it, I think from here and then, and hopefully branch out, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Encouraged by that too, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I've I um, I'm curious, like for you, yeah, how how you're feeling and and what, yeah, if you have <laughs> or thoughts and and you know, like and I'll, I'm gonna recognize and just be blunt that like as I ask that, something that I've been like working on or paying attention to is. And this came from a post of a, of a friend of a friend who did kind of like a live video. And he mentioned the fact that like, you know, amongst his community of like white friends, they say like, you know, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't realize that like racism was still a problem. And like you and I are friends and I have plenty of other black friends. and It's never an issue. And he said, well, yeah, it's not an issue because I've done the work to make sure that you don't realize it's an issue. I've done the work mm-hmm. to to make it less apparent that there's a difference between us because of our skin color. And he was just voicing how tired he is of doing that. And that, um, you know, he's not, he's not going to do that anymore. That he actually wants his friends to see, like, yes, my skin is brown. And yours isn't, and you know, yours is white. Like, I want you to see the difference between us because my experience of walking through the world as a black man is much different than your experience walking through the world as a white man or a white woman. And I just thought, like, wow, it was such a truth bomb for me because I didn't realize that I've spent so much of my life doing that <laughs> with my. Isn't friends. that crazy? Yeah. So you had that experience and you weren't even realizing that you were having it no yeah Yeah. no amazing yeah and even like yeah and just kind of like the caretaking the caretaking that black people have done for their white friends of like when their friends you know have if, if they've expressed or experienced like guilt or or 
shame or whatever it is in terms of race and the black friend coming in and saying like, oh, well, you know, it's okay because of this and this and this and this. And so I just say, just putting that out there as like Mm -hmm. something that I've been grappling with and, and really realizing like, wow, I did not realize how exhausting that has been. And, um, all that to say, like, I'm paying attention to that, but in this moment, you know, I genuinely, I want to hear, you know, your feelings or if you have questions for me or yeah, just whatever. I'm talking a lot. I'm just honestly super grateful that you're sharing all of this. Um, like, you know, it's, it is a tough conversation to have, um, as a, you know, a white woman that was raised in Canada and has lived in the United States for the last 10 years. I think I'm to some extent aware of my own level of ignorance and to a larger extent still unaware of my level of ignorance and I'm becoming more aware of how unaware (laughs) I am about a lot of this stuff and um, it is uncomfortable to talk about because we are scared to say you know we I shouldn't even speak for all white people but I know I'm not the only one that is Mm -hmm. afraid I'm gonna say something insensitive or say something really stupid and not realize it or um, but I just I think it doesn't matter at this point like I said I think you know so yeah I do feel like nervous to have this conversation on a lot of levels um well really just one level (laughs) you know (laughs) okay not a lot of levels nervous to have it because I'm afraid that I'm gonna say something that's gonna hurt somebody accidentally or say something that is going to like make it worse um but I also have enough trust um in other people I have enough trust in your understanding and the understanding of the listeners um and just in faith in in all that is in general for Mm. people to understand like the good intentions here and also I do invite I I invite um learning Mm. like I'm I'm here to try to wake myself up to this Mm. and also to be I guess somewhat of like a guinea pig not that I'm the only person doing this but like you know if yeah, I'll sit, I'll sit here and have this conversation because like whatever it is that I might be unaware of or ignorant of, there's a lot of other people that are too. And so Mm. they can get a window into that through watching me or listening me, listening to me do it. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not like super comfortable all the time because I'm like worried, you know, on a personal level, will I, will I look stupid? Will I say something stupid? But, um, I, I just think that it's just too important. So, um, mm-hmm. I just am like grateful to you for sitting here with me and especially for expressing what you just said about like how exhausting it is always to be carrying the burden of making sure your white friend is feeling comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. That was really enlightening for me when you shared that over wine last week. And I was like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you would feel that way. Um, and so that's what I, again, what I, that was the whole aim of this kind of conversation, because like a lot of these types of conversations are going down about, you know, police reform and like racial injustice. And people are talking about, you know, all of the tragedies that have happened. Um, and the, what people are discussing a little bit less is literally like these small things like Mm -hmm. that aren't even small, but like these more personal experiences of discomfort of, Mm. of, you know, 
exactly you said that was an article that you read where somebody had expressed that saying I'm really tired of you know always having to make sure my white friends feel feel comfortable and don't notice the difference between us or uh, I'm probably not even expressing that super correctly right now but was that an article that you said you'd read or a video it's a video yeah I'll send you the link to it it's pretty right so there are people discussing these kind of things um but like this is this is the kind of stuff that people experience all the time and it's so it's so low level and like less dramatic than like a shooting that it Mm. doesn't get dealt with right and so Mm -hmm. like this is where we get into this uncomfortable space of like actually voicing that but like I'm not uncomfortable hearing it, to be honest with you. Mm. Like, I feel like a relief to, like, have that honesty. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I feel, I do feel a relief um, because I feel like it's light that gets, that's getting shone onto the situation and onto this dynamic that we're yeah. experiencing. And it's understanding. And it, it's a relief. It, I really am super grateful for that. And I know it's just the beginning. But, um, yeah. yeah, so... So, yeah, Mm. all of that, (laughs) you know, and I also, of course, feel like, you know, I feel devastated also like seeing seeing all of these horrible things that have happened and thinking of, you know, people that I care about that um, like I specifically think about my black male friends and literally Mm. like fear more for them Mm. Um Whereas before, like, I just was, not, I was not awake, like, I was asleep to, to that on many levels. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I experienced that kind of fear, but, you know, not in the same way, uh, because there's, I'm the first to acknowledge, I, don't, I think there's a certain amount of understanding you can't have until something happens to you, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm a, I'm a witness, and, you know, I'm, like, I'm in this, but, like, there's... I recognize that my perspective and my experience, like I'll never fully be able to really get it on the deepest level without going through it in a really personal way. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, I also honor that and acknowledge that, but I just want to understand to the best of my ability. And that's really, that's really it. So Mm. yeah. That's awesome. That's it. That's so good. It's so good to hear that. And so, um, yeah, just so encouraging in that you're just on a, that's it. It's like just being on a quest to understand more and better, you know, for all of us. And that's asking questions and listening well and prayers, you know, and, but also taking action and you're doing all of that. And I'm grateful you know, as someone who is your dear friend to me, and I really care about you and appreciate your thoughts and your effort, and and even just you know being able to create the space for people to come and just share and like, uh, who knows what I've said in the last <laughs> I know right you know in the last hour and a half. I know it's a collaborative effort right it's um, like none of us knows what we're doing actually I shouldn't say that but I feel like the majority of us really don't know that much what we're doing I mean I asked you I pestered you even for resources um you know I can do my own googling but I knew there were certain things that you'd come across mm-hmm. that were powerful and so 
you know, um, like in terms of saying that I've done research, it's not like I've done all this research. Like I'm just seriously just like an ordinarily <laughs> like ignorant, you know. And so, but I see... I see the like the level of my own ignorance. So it's mm. just like these are first steps and that's that's yeah. it and that's that's it. It's not like it's not like there's not a lot more that I can do. Um but here we are. So first steps. Um mm-hmm. and uh I will definitely be posting all of the stuff online, um, a template letter, uh links to so how you everybody can figure out in their area who they need to write. Um if they want to get involved and otherwise just, you know, thanks for like listening in everyone. Um, and just, you know, being present with this topic and with this energy. And, um, I do think, you know, this is a departure, um, in terms of our normal topic. Um, but like I, I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again now that, um, from a new age perspective, I really believe that everything that exists in physical form is just divinity in a very dense form. And so, yeah, sometimes you need to meditate and sometimes you need to pray. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you need to write a letter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, like sometimes, you know, we're here on earth in these human bodies in the third dimension and this is divinity in a dense form, but it's still divinity. And there are actions that need to be taken uh, there are practical matters to be dealt with. Uh, it's it's not to say that this is a practical matter, but I guess there are practical uh, actions to be taken in the larger scheme of what is a very spiritual matter, um, which is just like living in light on this earth and bringing more love and as hokey pokey as that might sound, it really is the truth of it all when you get come down to it. Um, Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, this was a, this was just kind of like a way to, to dig into that mm-hmm. because I feel like that's, that is the highest way that I can serve the greater mm. good right now. That's awesome. So, Io, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if you had, I know we both said a lot, um, but if mm-hmm. you had one message to leave everyone with what would that be Mm. um I think it would be to love people well to love people so well to um not allow yourself to be desensitized to what's happening in the world just because it's scary or it's it's not happening to you um to put yourself in other people's shoes you know, and to just try like for a day or two when you're out on the street and you're walking and you see people who don't look like you to acknowledge them, whether that's like making eye contact and giving a smile or even like I've seen people high-fiving and hugging, you know, like whatever feels comfortable to you, but like just pushing yourself just a little bit outside of your comfort zone to recognize other people who don't look like you and to, to think of what their struggle might be, you know, and to, re- to recognize, obviously, like, we all have this, like, one um, thread of being human beings and being spirits and souls in these physical bodies. And, like, if we can bring it back to that, I think we, you know, can 
can really realize that we're more alike than we realize. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. Just, just open your eyes, you know, just try to stay awake, try to stay awake and, and be grateful for where you are. Love people well, because this is, this is all we have. This is our physical world. This is the one chance, like you said, that we have to serve and to show up. So, Ooh, yeah, to show up. To show up. I like that. Show, show up. up. And stay awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Ayo Awashika, she is, um, it's funny that we've spent all this time talking and we really haven't even touched on her music, but she is just one of the most amazing artists <laughs> that I know. So right now we're going to play you out with her song Caged bird is that correct did i get yeah right? yes cage yeah. bird it's from her record we best not wait which is on itunes mm-hmm. and um you can connect with her at ioawashika.com and i'm going to spell that now um it's a y o a w o s i k a dot com and um please do because what she does is a huge gift and it's so much light Mm -hmm. and it's so much energy and it's so much love so um thank you all everyone so much for being here and all the best to you and we'll connect really soon yes thank you bye bye i used to run wild the wind on my So bright, I could see all my colors shine. I taught my heart and my mouth to know how to speak out loud. The only song I to me I am a bird on the wing Did I dance too light? Did I sing too strong? Will I pay for my joy now? Now they've caught me And it don't seem right In hindsight I should have known They'd be afraid To see me fly Now I'm caged And as sad as I've ever been And the darkness is slipping in But then I hear my sister's song And it reminds me That it won't be long Did I dance too light? Did I sing too strong? Joy now as I see.